Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and The Rock returns to Talk is Jericho with Tool guitar player Adam Jones, the very mysterious Tool. Adam Jones makes his podcast debut right here in Talk is Jericho. This is the first podcast he's ever done on the eve of Tool's fifth album release in their first in 13 years. Fear Inoculum comes up Friday, August 30th, the same day that special deluxe limited edition version of the album arrives in the CD as well. The artwork and packaging for this special version were designed and directed by my guest today, Adam Jones. The limited edition Fear Inoculum has a four-inch rechargeable screen that comes with exclusive video footage, a charging cable, a two-watt speaker, and a 36-page booklet. What else would you expect from the uh, geniuses behind Tool, right? And you're going to hear exactly where the creative visual side of Adam comes from. He's talking about his love of horror movies, special effects, and makeup, guitar, wrestling, all those things. He's also talking about the first time he met singer Maynard James Keenan, how they convinced drummer Danny Carey to join the band, and what it was like growing up in Libertyville, Illinois, with Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. They were high school friends, and Tom's mom was actually Adam's homeroom teacher. What a super group that would be. And wait till you hear who else grew up in Libertyville as well. Very crazy. It's a very uh, secretive rock and roll town. So let's get to guitar player Adam Jones from Tool. And here's Adam Jones and Fear Inoculum and Tool on Talk is Jericho. This is one cool thing about having um, a podcast and having mutual friends is that uh, for years I've heard Adam Jones from Tool, big wrestling fan. And um, and we've passed like two ships in the night once in a while, but we really have never met. And these mm-hmm. are my favorite types of shows when you sit down with somebody and we can get to know each other on air. Mm-hmm. So this is cool because you said this is your first podcast you've ever done. This is my first podcast ever. And I think I'm, I'm kind of getting myself into trouble because there's so many people that have asked me, uh-huh. and, uh, I, you know, Eddie truck. Oh, of course. He's asked, he asked me all the time, come do my podcast. So now he's going to like, you did Jericho's do mine. Well, he's yeah. got, he's got Sammy. <laughs> he's had a Sammy Hager on like 15 times and I can't get Sammy. So there you oh, go. You can. I'll trade you an Adam Jones for a Sammy Hager. There you go. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Cause right now, especially with tool and you know, your first record in, in, in years and the huge reaction for fear inoculum. Mm-hmm. Now, Tool, once again, it's like you forget how big of a band you guys are because you haven't had a record in a while, even though you're still touring and playing. Were you expecting to have such a huge reaction to, to all of this that's been going on? Yes, absolutely. I, it, it's, it's been too long, and I, it, it's just what kind of reaction, mm-hmm. you know, positive or negative. And right. For the most part, it's been very, very positive. And uh, we have uh, just this incredible fan base that can't be explained. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... You know, other bands will come and see our band and they'll be on the side stage and they just go, I don't get this. And I go, I don't either. Mm. <laughs> you know, you know, a little bit of radio is just mostly word of mouth. And like I said, it's just it's just passionate people. But I think it's a thing that we take very serious and we just put our complete hearts into. And I think that's uh, people see that and they appreciate that. I mean, that's what I appreciate about the arts is mm. how far someone takes something. You know, and you can tell you get very passionate. You know, I always kind of compare it to like, you know, uh, my wife's a, a painter and I'm an artist and on the side and um, knee-jerk artist. <laughs> and uh, uh, I always compared, uh, compared to like kind of turn-of-century oil painting, which I really like a lot. You know, John Singer Sargent and, you know, others. And hmm. um, these guys, they had a trade. And, you know, there's no TV, there's no radio, and this is what they did for a living. And... You know, you know, they got up, they did it. 
they had lunch, they did, they painted and they went to bed mm-hmm. and they did this every day. So it's, it's, you know, it's a trade. It's, it, it's, there's a lot of passion in it. And you can see in the painting, the experience and how much this person's like kind of tearing themselves up inside to do something. And, you know, I think that's, I, I think that's what the fans get out of us because, you know, we, we really do, we're very passionate about what we do. You know, we just kind of don't take ourselves seriously well, at and all. And the thing is, too, you, you, you're always, it's very unique. Uh, Tool sounds like nobody else. Um, the, the, your song structures, the tempo changes, the length of the song. I've, I was reading somewhere that, that, that the Fear Inoculum is, is the first, the longest song to ever be in the Billboard Top 100 at yeah, like it's incredible. 10, 11 minutes, which is incredible. But I think your fans expect that and they love it. It's almost like a modern day Rush vibe to me. Yeah. Where Rush is so out of the blue weird, but millions of people love them because of that. Yeah. And you kind of have that vibe, I think. It's an excellent analogy. And, you know, they're, you know, I can't say who my favorite band is, but, you know, if I had to, they would be up in up those, there. up in that category. They, they're incredible. And yeah, they did kind of just, you know, break the rules of radio and, and especially at that time, it's different now. And I think, you know, to have a 10 minute song, we can get away with that now, just mm-hmm. the way of, you know, social media. It's not, you know, in the old days we would, you know, our songs were never radio friendly. So they would ask us to edit the song. So we'd edit it down to you know, five minutes or four and a half minutes. And then we'd send it to radio and then they would edit it, what mm. we gave them to edit. <laughs> so now we just put it out yeah. and let radio do whatever they want with it because they're going to do what they want with it anyway. So it's... Um, and there's nothing worse than having those edits. I remember when, when Sweet Child of Mine first came out, like mm. talking about 87, yeah. 88, whenever it was, they had a radio edit. Yes. And once in a while, they'll still play that on classic rock radio or like the Jack FM. And you're like, it just doesn't sound right. It's like, you know, it's this shitty radio edit. Don't touch it. Yeah. Just play it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you, and you, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And it's also that kind of like, oh, you needed more commercial time. But that's what pays the bills. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, we try to play the game, but the game is played after we're done writing, after we're done recording. And once the record's ready to put out, we try to... um get together and and um, experiment and write stuff that we're proud of. And again, it's it's that, you know, suffering for your art. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a reflective process that people see that. And I think that's why our fans are so passionate, you mm-hmm. know. No, I, I agree with you on that. I think, once again, like you're talking about uh, also, too, releasing all of your back catalog, which is <laughs> like, I just, once again, like the, the top 10 songs on the Billboard rock charts are all Tool songs. I, I got to stray off the conversation because I just want people to know, like, um, I'm this huge wrestling fan, and uh, I grew up with it, and I still enjoy it. It's it's the one thing that makes me feel like a kid. Yeah. You know, that like that thing where you just feel safe and you, something you love as a kid and you can't get enough of, and it's so weird to be sitting... In the same room with you, <laughs> you know, I could have never predict that seeing you on stage and or on, you know, coming down the ramp in your it's, multi-sequenced yeah, lit up right. jacket. <laughs> and um, thank you for that. I really appreciate it, all the entertainment you have uh, no, it, given once me. Again, and, it's, it's always cool to me when you meet somebody who's very successful, who has, the, 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 I guess, the, an appreciation shall yeah. we say, for your work. Yeah. And and I get it all the time from different people, and I give it as well. I was in the airport yesterday. I'm not a big football guy, but this guy came up to me. He goes, hey, Chris Jericho, it was Herschel Walker. Like, oh, wow. Everyone knows that guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Holy smokes. Like, dude, <laughs> really? Like, and just this mutual respect sure. for people that have 
made it themselves in, in their chosen passion. Who so worked hard and, exactly. and had this thing burning inside them to, you know, right. You know, grow and develop and 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 now they're one of the few lucky ones who are doing it professionally and actually getting paid and well, making sure. a living. So yeah, it's yeah, it's that kind of nod of like Oh, you know, <laughs> you, you, you're lucky too. And I'm lucky too. But that's what know? I'm saying. And for me, like being, being a fan of tool and also too, by proxy, being a fan of yours, because I've heard from everybody, how great of a guy you are and, and that sort of thing. And also it's, music, and it's true. It's, it's yeah, all yeah. true. <laughs> and as a musician as well, to be top 10 spots, like that's do, do stuff like that. Uh, or, or do you, did you even think about that? Or is oh, it just no. like, I, I pinch myself all the time, you know, um, we were in Berlin just recently. We did mm. a European tour. We we're doing the festivals, and um, we're really good friends with the Rammstein guys. Mm. And uh, uh, Christoph, the drummer, came to our show in Berlin, and um, we were just talking. And you know, he has two two boys. I have two boys, and and he was looking at pictures of our of my kids. I have them on my road case, and mm. he was just getting a little emotional. I go, "You were right," and he just goes, "You know." We have great lives. We we're doing what we like to do, and we have families, and we're successful. and And then he started crying, hmm. and then I started crying, and <laughs> and it was true. It's just you know pinching yourself, and you know so you know when the fans reach out, I try to be that guy to go thank you, mm -hmm. and you know have something to say to them, and and you know I just want them to know that. It's huge. It's huge. You know, without them, there's not me. And I'm just the luckiest guy in the world, mm. you know? So I get that. You know, I've, I've, like you said, I've met people. I was like, oh, I, I don't listen to your music. And mm -hmm. I don't know if I particularly like it, you know, or, or what you do, but, you know, congrats on your success. Yes. And, and I admire all that you had to do to get here. Mm -hmm. And it, and it is a lot, you know, it's, it's talent and luck, but the talents, the, you know, I mean, Talking about, you know, wrestling, like just the, you guys really suffer. I mean, just the drives and, you know, you're hurt and then mm -hmm. you got to do another show and you got to drive to the next place and. No but, tour bus in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, 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 um, it's just ultimate and you feel that, you know, it's, you know, I, my friends that, you know, that go, oh, you know, wrestling's fake. And I always go, no, that's just what they tell kids, <laughs> you know? And, and then I go, come to a show with me. You know, I think it's. There, I can't compare what you guys do to any other sport. I mean, the amount of physical, I, I don't know, just commitment and and just getting hurt and like, you got to do the next thing. Mm -hmm. And every guy's like, I'm fine. You know, I'm ready to do that because they love what they're doing and they're suffering for their art, mm -hmm. you know? Well, because there is no other form of entertainment, shall we say, like wrestling. Because wrestling, it's neither fish nor fowl, I always say. Because mm. it's not sport. It's not show business. It's somewhere in the middle. It's very much blurring the lines between the two. Mm -hmm. So what do you compare it to? Nothing. You know, like people will say, like, what is, what is, like, what, what's the deal with wrestling? How, how does it work? It's like, it's not like anything else. And when you understand that is when you get a true appreciation for what it, what the pro wrestling business is. Because like you said, it is a lot of driving yourself and, and you know, getting your own hotel rooms and all this other stuff. That's why I love going on tour with Fozzie. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. But tour manager gives me the schedule for yeah, the day. Yeah. Yeah, as yeah. long as I make it to the bus on time and get right. off on time and do my gig, the rest is gravy. We call it the wait to wait. <laughs> wait to get on the bus. Wait to go to the plane. Wait to do this. Wait for sound check. Wait. Yeah. Right. But it's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just nice being um, 
Yeah, you don't you don't Almost get paid. Escorted, you know. You don't get paid for the gig. You get paid for the waiting. <laughs> yeah, and everything yeah, else, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing. And then you get home and like you you know call down for towels, and your wife says, "What do you, you know, take the freaking garbage out? What are you doing?" Right, like, right, right. You know? Yeah, and that's that's just kind of the life on the road compared to to the, to the rock star you know uh, life, and then the home life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Now, you mentioned about how much of a wrestling fan you're wearing a Callahan shirt, which is great. I've never seen oh, that yeah. shirt before. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is this is the bat, He's like Batman, Batman. Callahan. Yeah. What did you, uh, how did you start getting into wrestling? You said you're from Chicago, and that's a big wrestling Yeah, town. yeah. I grew up uh, in Libertyville, which is about 30, 40 minutes north of Chicago. And, um, you know, I'm the youngest of three, and my sister's 12 years older than me. My brother's five years older than me. And um, so I kind of discovered things through them, but mostly um, those things on my my own, you know, just the like the things they weren't into. And there was, um, I think it was Channel 44, which is a UHF channel in Chicago at the time, had local wrestling and they had roller derby. Mm-hmm. And I used to love the roller derby because it was it was chicks, you know, <laughs> and I didn't have a lot of experience with women and, and seeing these women like, crack the shit out of each other. Oh, can I swear? I can swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's satellite. You're in tool, dude. You can do what you want. All right. I, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Damn it. I, that's, I'm going to get a t-shirt of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just had this like fixation and I just kind of woke up, you know, to this thing and, you know, is, is it real? Is it fake? You know, it must be fake. No, it's it's real. And, and, um, and in those days, the guys used to bleed. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of blood. So I was just like, oh, this is... Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is like incredible. You know, what is this? And um, just started getting into the characters and then that started branching out to the other organizations. And uh, I've just been a fan ever since. I kind of fell out of it for a while, but still had this, this like hidden interest. And then, then just had this rediscovery. So I just, you know, I try to follow as much of it as I can, as much as, it, uh, as I have time for. But like I said before, it really does bring me this satisfaction and and this piece and you know I, I read comic books hmm. I um you know I play I play my guitar I go see uh, movies I love like any movie my friends hate it because my friends are all jaded and they're just like oh yeah I hated that movie and I was like I liked it's better than my movie you know <laughs> and I just pretend I'm twelve because when I was twelve I liked everything I can't tell you how many like crappy films you know I love all the Hammer horror movies of course, yeah. and. My friends are like, oh, those are terrible. I go, no, they're they're great. And back then, like for me, I would watch all of them, but you would have to stay up at night. Oh, yeah. My mom would let me watch them. I think it was like on a Friday night, but mm. I would have to go to sleep at like 10 at night and then set my alarm and wake up at midnight to go downstairs to watch whatever the horror movie was. Oh, you had was a cool mom. Week. I yeah. used to have to sneak down. Oh, did you? Know? Yeah, she would yeah. let you watch? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you had to make a commitment. Like you couldn't just go and get it online and watch it on your phone or you had to go downstairs and oh, yeah. make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we had a Creature Features in, in um, Chicago. We had Sven Gulli. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sven Gulli was great. It was just this old he's, hippie who... He's still alive. He yeah. he is. Yeah. He, he passed it on to this other guy who does it now. Um, uh, he was the son of Svengoli, <laughs> yeah. and then the the original Svengoli finally just went. You know what? You're you're doing great. Just take it. And now he's Svengoli. oh, so he's a new and it's fun. My you know my five year old like likes it. It's very and this was something that you, you would get in every city would have their own horror sure. movie weekly horror movie host. Host, was, yeah. I think in LA it was actually Elvira. That's where she started. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. You know Svengoli in Chicago, and so right. you had the the creature feature. Yes, yes. So that that was my my take, and um. 
when, when, when I was a kid and it was the original Svengoolie, he showed stuff late at night. I'd stay up on Saturday night and he'd show stuff that was not appropriate for kids. Like what? Like, um, that's where I first saw Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was little <laughs> and I remember going, oh, this, this is going to mess me up while yeah. I was watching it. Black and, and white, but the people getting oh, eaten oh, and everything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And just the whole style, but they didn't edit it. Mm. You know, and I saw other things where they're doing brain transplants and cutting people's heads open, and <laughs> those Hammer like, oh. films are pretty intense. There's oh, some yeah. real violence. In I, there. I yeah. still watch them. I yeah. still, I still really enjoy. And Christopher Lee's one of my favorites. And uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing was the other guy. Yeah, that was Peter in a lot Cushing of them too, right? Yeah. yeah. And Christopher Lee's. Do you know this? I, I think I'm right about this. But that he's been in more movies than any other actor. Really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. I believe that's true. I'm sure he, did he just recently pass away? He did, yeah. Because he was in the Star Wars movies, the, 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 and, the Count Dooku and all that. And Tim Burton brought him back, you know, right. just, and had him in a lot of his films. And uh, and he's Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Great actor. Great actor. And the, the Hammer films also had the super hot chicks too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, their boobs were almost, almost falling out. And you're yeah. like, oh, please. Edwidge, Fennec, and all these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, but you would, well, that makes an impression on you as a kid. Though. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've always tried to hold on to that. So I'm just, you know, I'm just this nerd who plays guitar. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, just kind of do it my way, my rules. And and that's the same thing with Tool. You know, it's, it's you know, the four four of us are all very different. And I think, you know, we can't, do what we do without the the four of us you know it's just it's just this weird click and and i'm really thankful of that and and it's magical and so when when you and we'll talk more about wrestling and, and and all the stuff we just discussed too but but now that we're you mentioned tool when you started the bands did you came up to la to find your fame and fortune sort of thing or did you have a lead that tool was starting at kind of i i just I grew up in, I don't know where you grew up. Where'd you grow up? Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Canada. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, not a bad place, no. but the, I'm sure the winters Freezing. were. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom said I used to, when I was a little, little kid, she said I used to go, why do we live here? Why do people live here? <laughs> yeah. And she'd go, well, why? And I'd say, it's so cold in the winters. And and so I kind of grew to really hate that bitter Lake Michigan cold and everything I was into came from Los Angeles, the movie business, uh, you know, skating, you know, vans, uh, just the culture. Mm -hmm. So at a very early age, you know, I was like, oh, I want to live there someday. You know, I want to see a palm tree. And mm -hmm. at some point, I just decided to move out. Uh, my sister lived in San Francisco, so I rolled into San Francisco. And I was always kind of um, playing in bands on the side, doing makeup effects on the side. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right on. And... And so, but you, I didn't have that confidence. Like, oh, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could never do it professionally. And there was some point where um, I think I had heard something Rick Baker said. He was talking in an interview. And famous makeup artist. Famous makeup yeah. artist. And, and I really admire him. And, and he just, in that interview, totally inspired me to go, all right, I'm going to try it. And so, you know, I'd had pictures of stuff I had done, but... My parents had kind of, you know, they're old school. So they were like, you know, you can't get a job without a degree, you know, and you need the experience. So I looked into taking a training course in Los Angeles. So that's why I moved down mm, was to learn. For effects. Yeah. Right yeah. on. That's So cool. I took this this course and, and I actually ended up really liking it because they taught um, straight makeup, theater makeup, beauty makeup, runway makeups, uh, you know, just theatrical. And I didn't know how to do any of that. I was into sculpting and making monsters. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it taught me how to paint better. 
it, it made things more three-dimensional. Um, I was more valuable, and I learned that. The more I know, the more I'm valuable to whoever I work sure, for. Sure, of course. Yeah. And then, you know, I just, uh, I played in bands on the side, and um, I actually lived with Tom Morello when mm, I first moved down really? here. Yeah, I slept on his Just couch. randomly, or did you know him? Oh, no, no, no. Tom and I grew up together. Really? Yeah, Tom's mom was my homeroom teacher. You're kidding me. Mary Morello. She's the coolest lady you'd ever meet. Wow, how interesting yeah. is that? You get two guys who basically reshaped guitar in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, really, like, let's be honest, it's right? It's weird. And 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 uh, Maureen Herman, uh, she was in Babes in Toyland. Yeah. Uh, she was a year younger than me at my school. We were all friends. Jeez. And Tom Morello used to, like in the 90s, say, you know, uh, they would say, oh, yeah, grunge from Seattle. And he goes, well, then the next big sound's from Libertyville, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. Yeah. It's like this yeah. Slash and Flea going to the same high school, Fairfax, yeah. just down the road, like yeah. same grade. Like, yeah. what are the chances of like, not just one guy, but two Hall of Famers and probably two Hall of Famers for you in Libertyville, of it, all it's, places, it's right? It's weird. And, and Tom, you know, he was just very inspiring. Just, you know, growing up, he's very animated and... um I always thought he'd be like this actor. He was very good at acting. Oh, yeah, yeah, very well spoken. Yeah, yeah. And um, he did the best uh, intro speech for the Hall of Fame ever for Kiss. If you've ever seen that. Oh, I haven't. Google it. It's like you want to just can go and punch somebody in the face and then oh, yeah. kiss. It's oh, so good. Oh, he's such a huge fan. Yeah, you know? but just the way he talks too and the, the way he enunciates like, you yeah. know, great, great talker. Well, he was in a lot of plays and mm. um, uh, I, I remember, you know, they had this band and they were terrible. They were called <laughs> the Electric Sheep. <laughs> but they were just, it was fun. You know, there was no, you know, concerns of being signed or, you know, you know how important it is or it was going to be playing the it's radio. It's a high school band, right? High school yeah. band. And at some point, um, they needed a uh, bass player. And I had grown up playing violin. Makes sense. And then uh, in high school, I started playing bass because they didn't have a bass player. Yeah. So <laughs> I can read treble and bass clef. But I always played guitar on the side. I'm self-taught. And... Um, it's it just it's just amazing to me now how, you know how much Tom sucked at that moment when I met him, <laughs> and how he's just like no one can touch him. Mm -hmm. Just I saw him style and just I is, saw him playing with Springsteen. Oh yeah, when he played the the gig. I don't know if he's still in the Springsteen's band. And all of these, you know, what fifty five year old businessmen, you know, boss fans were mm -hmm. just like, look at this guy because he was doing the solos, but doing the Morello shit during yes. the Springsteen songs. Yeah, it's like yeah. the weirdest mix, but the best thing ever like you said just amazing the way that he played yeah he 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 well you know we were both really influenced by you know 80s metal mm -hmm. and and uh among other things but you know in 80s metal like every guitar player after eddie van halen went oh i've got to have some kind of gimmick right you know so you had guys doing this or you had you know remember michelangelo had yeah. you know four <laughs> necks you know I jammed well, he had two at, necks and then he had four What's i that? jammed with him at nam this year at the uh, rudy stars oh, he's amazing the, yeah he's we amazing. did a uh, crazy train and he had the double thing and i was just like just rocking out as he's playing the double solo on the both sides of the damn guitar yeah yeah but so, Mike, that was his gimmick yeah but yeah so he had he had all these guys had gimmicks you know what they did you know the um i remember the Oh, what's the bass player's name? He used to play behind his back. From um, what band? Billy Sheehan? Oh, well, Billy Sheehan. Yeah, so, yeah. No, it's not Billy Sheehan. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just having a brain fart. Tom and I went to go see Ingve Malmsteen. Uh-huh. And we drove down to Chicago, and I, I can't, I'll never forget it, but Billy Sheehan's band opened. Talus. Talus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love you. Yeah. He's, um, so... You know, Billy's going all over, all over his bass. And then uh, Ingve comes out and he's all over his guitar, all over his guitar, spinning the guitar on it. Just, and the guy can own it. You know, mm -hmm. he has a gimmick, but he, he's got, it's his. 
And then at the end of the show, Billy's band comes out and Yngwie, and they all play about three or four more songs oh, together. So they're great. both going, blah, 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 blah. It's, it was just a <laughs> magical night, just incredible. I was in Australia in Perth. I uh, mm. just walked into a hotel on the beach to, uh, I think we were waiting for our rooms or something, and in the bar, there's Yngwie. And it's oh, wow. uh, 100 degrees out. It's, it's a beach town. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. Dude, full-on leather pants, pirate shirt, oh, yeah. medallions, yeah. giant hair, makeup. And I'm like, of course, Ingve is going to look like that oh, on yeah. the beach at two in the afternoon. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> but you know, if he wasn't in a, if he wasn't successful in his music, he'd probably be dressing like that anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, just him. It's just him. You know, it's just him. yeah. I saw him somewhere too. I think at an airport, and I'm that guy. Like, you know, I hesitated doing this. I just, it's sometimes hard meeting your heroes. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and. Sometimes if I get that consent, consent like you know Justin Roberts, you right, know, right, a good sure, friend of both mutual, of ours. mutual friend, yeah. mutual friend. Mm -hmm. But it's sometimes you know, you know, have you ever met an old wrestler and you went, oh, I'm such a hero, and it didn't go well, right. or they weren't nice to you, or yeah. they were doing something else, and so I always try to kind of, you know, give my heroes their space, mm -hmm. unless like I know it's they're approachable, and I know it's okay, right, you know. Uh, so I did not go up to him and say, <laughs> dude, I love you. <laughs> See, that, and Rich from Fozzie is the same type of guy because I was like, dude, there's mouse. He's like, oh my God, there's mouse. I'm like, come on, I know him. No, dude, come on. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey Chris, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, this is Rich Ward. Ah. Yeah. Sometimes you need the 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 the, the, the bridge to help you uh, sure. get there, right? Yeah, yeah. So you were influenced a lot by 80s metal, like you said. And then, yeah. so what kind of, because you also mentioned something interesting to, me, interesting to me earlier as well when you said you played violin. Yeah. Because I can hear that in your tones of your guitar, whether it's subconscious or not. There's a lot of shades in your guitar playing and a lot of atmospheres and a lot of uh, feeling, which is more of a, like a classical violin string instrument type of Whoa, thing. Whoa, I really appreciate that. Because, you know, it's, it's um, I think it's there subconsciously. You know, uh, uh, Dan, Justin, and I, um, all have music training, but you know, like Justin's is kind of just you know him playing, and Dan and I were part of a band. Mm -hmm. You know, Dan was you know the guy in the back of the band doing different kinds of percussion in his you know grade school and high school days, and uh, I played like I said violin up until you know high school. I played stand up bass, so Dan and I definitely have that um, inbreding that you're part of this huge group. And, you know, this right. is what, this is what's needed as a whole. And you learn, you know, um, you know, vibrato and intonation and, and up bowing and down bowing and, and just all the, um, the contouring mm -hmm. of music. Great word. Yeah. And, and so I think that's, it, it really helped me with, you know, telling a story with, um, our videos, with, uh, uh, making the music where you... You know, you're on this journey. You're, uh, it's almost like a film soundtrack. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're taking someone by the hand and you're leading them. Uh, it's great. It's great. See, I, I love I really, that about certain guitar players. Um, I noticed, especially in, in trios, like two of my favorite bands. We mentioned Rush, and I love the Police as well. And I find oh, Alex yeah. Lifeson and Please. and Andy Summers are kind of the two guys that don't get as much credit in the bands. Sure. And their playing is so varied, and there's so much shading. And like, if you listen to like Synchronicity too. There's, you know, an eight-bar solo break, but he doesn't solo. He just makes some sounds on his guitar, which fits this story that Sting is telling. I just love those type of guitar players. Exactly. And you have that feel. I can tell you're fans it's, of them as well. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's that discipline mm -hmm. 
you know? Yeah, when you're talking about the discipline, you're talking about, like I said, it all relates back to me from what you're saying from from violin and also the fact that you're a yeah. Rush fan, yeah. you're a police fan. Yeah, yeah. When you started Tool, was your mindset, uh, I got you, dude, was your mindset... Um, <laughs> Like, I want to do something that's never been done before. Or did you guys just sit down and start jamming and all this stuff appeared? Like, I guess no one knows, like, at, like, like asking Stephen King, where do you get your ideas from? Not, I'm not asking you that, but how did the, the, the tool sound come to be? Because it is very unique from almost any other band. It's, it's very strange because I met Maynard, you know, he moved out to L.A. and through Mutual Libertyville friends, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Tom Morello and a bunch of other people that, you know, still all hang out together. Maynard was dating this girl from Libertyville, and that's how he and I met, and we just hit it off instantly. Libertyville is the rock and roll center of the universe, it's, man. It's, <laughs> it is, and it's it's uh it's this it's this underground secret. Mm -hmm. Um, but he and I like hit it off, like just you know, driving around his car, listening to Metallica, and you know, watching Italian horror movies, and that's great. Yeah, and Giallo. and and he's he's also just this person who's very driven, and that's this thing I realized like I have always done really great things because I kind of surrounded myself with people who are motivated people who are heroes mm -hmm. and I just kind of feed off that you know and and it makes me uh want to work harder and do what I do better and and Maynard's one of those people he's he's just whatever he's doing he's got a do it right mm -hmm. and he's got his own kind of structure also, I don't know if that's from the army or if that's just kind of you know, or something, you know, off about his personality. But uh, I really got off on that. And um, at some point, you know, uh, we had talked about just goofing around with music. And I had no idea he could sing. And we were friends with all the Green Jello people. Like, I used to help the Green Jello people in the day, you know, um, they had these costumes and they used to like a, drive a around. type vibe, right? Was that? Green Jello, like a, a guar type vibe. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But more like, you know, Saturday morning mm. cartoons Serial commercial. What was their tune? You know, they they their big hit was uh, Three Little Pigs. Oh, yeah, Little Pig, Little yeah. Pig, let me in. That's Maynard. Oh, is it? Not by the hair of my chin. Really? That's, that's Maynard. That's I didn't Maynard's know that. Singer. Yeah. So he had joined that, he had met those guys through me, and I had, I had you know, done makeup effects for so long and worked on movies, and so I was like their hero, because they were finding like these, you know, cat piss couches and <laughs> taking the foam and carving the foam, foam and making these costumes and I was like no 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 you can do a sculpture and cast it and then <laughs> right. run up two part foam and paint it like this and um so at, at some point you know Maynard and I were talking about let's start a band it'd be fun just to you know mess around we had some other friends and and then Maynard just slipped me this tape and he goes yeah here check this out you know this is something I was doing back in uh Michigan and I was like okay and it was a band he was in and I put it on and my hair stood oh, up wow. on my arms and I was like oh you can sing. Maynard, you can sing. And he knew it. He knew it. He just didn't have the confidence, I think, to kind of go, yeah, I'm a good singer. So our band kind of started out like this, you know, just, you know, just for fun, just this therapy, mm -hmm. fun band. So we started jamming and we started um, trying to find people to jam with us. And in those days, it was really hard. The glam metal was kind of just at its tail end. Just late 80s then or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 89 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of this, you know, more like, you know, really underground sound started coming out, which I would say is kind of grunge mm -hmm. now. And and um, to me, all that kind of stemmed from the Melvins. Hmm. You know, the Melvins were, the, were this band. They were like metal, but they were just like 
just their own rules, and and it's just crazy. I, I'm a bit, huge fan of the Melvins. King Buzzo. King Buzzo. I love the solo albums. They did the solos like I Kiss. actually invited him to this. Really? I did. I did. He's today's his last day of rehearsal. Oh. And he's like, we have to rehearse because I'll do it another time. Is he? Is so he maybe a we'll come wrestling back. fan or what's that? Is he a wrestling fan? He, he he is. He's not like me. Gotcha. Not like me, but um, uh, he's he's a really cool guy, and we're we're both kids, you know. <laughs> um, my our, our wives always kind of refer refer to us as the juvenile delinquents. What are they doing right now? Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so the point was when we started Tool, we weren't trying to get signed, and it was really hard finding other people to jam with because, like I said, you know, when you look through, I don't know in your day, but looking through, you know, this, you know, like the the listings, it was like, you know, oh, I'm into rad, I'm into yeah. this, I'm into that, and. And so it was all, you know, we kept jamming with these guys that were very pretty, who mm-hmm. had hair sprayed hair out to here and, <laughs> you know, um, really nice jeans tucked in cowboy boots. <laughs> yeah, and that was the and, big one. And I'm, and I'm not making fun of that. It's just no. that's the era and, yeah. and it's big influence on me. And, 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 but we just weren't connecting. And um, through Green Jello, uh, uh, Maynard, they moved into this big space and it was by where Danny Carey lived. And Danny Carey, um, it was a commercial space, and Danny Carey was in one of the two drummers in Green Jello. Each, you know, oh, Green, really? Yeah, Green Jello had two guitar players, two bass players, and two drummers. And then they had like 60 people in their band. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just great. Maynard and I used to go see them. It was amazing. I saw them in Hamburg in 93. Really? Green Jelly, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they had to change it from Jello to Jelly for uh, they got copyright purposes yeah. or something, right? Yeah, now. they got sued. Yeah. But anyway, long, long story short, is we kept asking Danny to jam with us. And at that time, Dan was in like, he was in a couple TV bands, which are bands that they, they'll be filming a, like a sitcom and the TV band will play between the shots to keep the oh, really? aud- the audience warmed up. Yeah, 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 it's cool. And, you know, he was studioing, he was doing a um, couple things. Like he was, he played on Carol King's record. Oh, no shit. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. Drummer. Um, he really is. And then he was in three different bands. He was in... Green Jello. He was in Pygmy Love Circus, or or you know, I I don't even know all the bands he was in. So the story goes when uh, Maynard and I, um, Maynard are calling me. He goes, "Hey, the drummer from Autograph is going to jam with us." Autograph, <laughs> yeah, of course. Turn up. I could probably give radio. you a name on that guy, Kenny oh, Richards. Is, is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, it, I, I'm I'm assuming it's him. And uh, uh, and we were really excited. So we were jamming at. Danny's studio, and that's where the Green Jello people would play. And Danny let us jam there, and um, the guy blew us off. Oh, yeah, he didn't show up, and um, <laughs> so we had been asking Dan to jam with us, and he was like, "No, I don't have time." So we're like, "Dan, come on, this guy blew us off. Just walk in the next room." Dude. He's like, "All right, I'll do the one time," yeah. you know. And he jammed with us, and then he was like, "Hey, we should do this again," mm-hmm. you know. And it was just really incredible, and uh, and then we found. Um, Paul Tamore, he was a friend of a friend of mine, and he had moved down from Seattle, and he was like a really good guitar player, but he was, he said he was just totally sick of playing guitar. He mm-hmm. wanted to just play bass. We're like, okay, let's jam, because we need a bass player. But he kind of played the bass like a guitar, which mm-hmm. was kind of cool, like chords. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's how it started. And like I said, we weren't, we all had day jobs. You know, I was doing makeup effects. I was making more money I'd ever made at that time, you know, uh, working for Stan Winston Studios. No kidding. Yeah. Did you ever do anything that was in, mo- in any movies or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I worked on Terminator 2. Really? Uh, Predator. Um, no, when you say you worked Batman. on. Really? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing on it? 
Um, well, whatever they need me to do. It goes mm. back to the thing I was saying, you know, the more I knew, the more sure. valuable I was. So I could do mechanics, I could make molds, I could run up polyfoam, I could paint, I could apply makeups, you know. Dude, that's great. And and I could sculpt. And so it was great just, you know, being that guy that they could go, oh, uh, we need you to move over here or stop doing that. And also I had this, I had the attitude between, you know, messing around that I was very serious, but not attached. I call it dedicated, but not attached. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, they'll ask you to do something in three days and you go, oh, okay, that's not a lot of time, but I'll do it. And you do it in three days and they come up and go, oh, this kind of sucks. And you, well, you want it in three days, it's yeah. done. They go, okay, spend another day on it. That's what I'm saying. It's commodity. Gotcha. It's someone else. It's Stan's name over the mm -hmm. the door. And um, so I was really good at that. And um, uh, I really enjoyed that. And then there was some point where we got signed as a band and we laughed. We laughed so hard when we got our first record offer. Because we were just like, what? You know, because we, we thought, you know, like A&R people and, and record people are, you know, they're not yeah, yeah, yeah. really a lot of times have their pulse. I mean, some of them do have their pulse on what's happening, but most of them don't. It's just this business thing. And it's a lot of old guys with ponytails. And, mm -hmm. and um, so, uh, you know, we, we, it started with one and then it turned into three. And then we kind of went, oh, maybe we should do this. And I think it went up to seven or nine because once, you know, like a, a kind of a few of the major record labels were approach someone, they all, oh, they all get in on sure, it. Sure. Of course. Yeah. You know, they know something we don't know. And so, that's when we started taking it seriously and going, okay, well, let's hmm. try this, you know? Uh, and then I was, I was, I don't know which movie I was working. I was working on Jurassic Park. <laughs> I was sculpting dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. And I went to my bosses and my foreman and I said, uh, I want to go do this. And they were like, yeah, go do it, dude. You can always come back. Right. And then my, my other, other guys I know who were just, you know, it's end all be all doing what they're doing. They just thought, oh yeah, go screw up your life, Adam, <laughs> you know. Just and, a rock star. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, you know, it, it really worked out, but it worked out because we, you know, we did things our way. Tom helped me out a lot with, you know, talking about the business. Because he was also, already signed at that point. He was signed. He was in this band called Lockup and he was like the best thing in the band, you know, he's just, mm -hmm. just amazing guitar player and then he moved on to you know rage and so tool and rage kind of came up at the same time and then you know green jello and and other bands that that we knew we kind of learned from their mistakes mm -hmm. on what they did and the one thing we learned was you know if we took less money we got more control mm -hmm. and the people signing us thought that was great oh, i signed this band for no money but you know they can't make a move without us right. you know we had we have that um artistic freedom Am, am I talking too much? Well, it's a podcast. You better be talking. <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, I seem to remember, have you used any of your your effects skills for tool videos? Absolutely. Was it, was it Enema where it's the, is there was it kind of an eraser head type thing going on in that? Like the little guy? There's definitely that influence. Yeah. 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 Uh, David Lynch, big hero. Right. Um, the, the, yeah, just early on, you know, uh, we did a video. We had no money. It's called Hush. Shot in one day. Uh, it's this kind of concept Maynard had. It was it was really fun, but I could really see how money is just completely wasted, right? You know, and I mean, down to you know craft services, yeah. you know, where, it's where you know, get your food while you're shooting, and they have you know 15 different kinds of nuts, and just you don't need all that stuff. <laughs> right. You want to put the money back into your art and get the best quality thing, and that's always kind of been our 
our motto is just, you know, you know, what would we want? We want more than our money's worth. So you have a quality t-shirt, you have a quality CD, you have a quality, you know, Station, show. Yeah. Exactly. And and try and take it as far as you can and suffer <laughs> for your art. Um, but yeah, that the that part of it too has really helped. I mean, Maynard had that side to him too. Uh he was he was working for some pet chain, like pet supply chain, but he was also doing set dressing and he was really good at it, you know, or making a set or, you know, what goes in the set. Yeah. And so he has this very artistic side. Um, so that uh, has really helped us kind of moved into our own, directing our own videos and, and having our own vision. And, um, you know, I was talking about influences like, you know, David Lynch. I think the biggest one is, is the Quay Brothers. Uh, if you haven't seen the Quay brothers, you know, just look them up on YouTube. You know, the brothers Quay, I think they go by. And uh, you'll go, oh. What films have they done? I, I've seen it. They do a lot of uh, like independent films. They're, you know, very, very uh, experimental surrealist animators. Mm. Okay. They're twins. I think they're from like Philadelphia, but they live in uh, England. And um, when you do things that where when you emulate your heroes, you know, you kind of copy what they do. And mm. And that's what we did. We tried to be like them as much as possible. You know, I, I, I remember seeing one of their first films like in the late 80s and it destroyed me hmm. in the way of like, it was so good, but I just went, this is what I want to do. I have to get into this kind of stuff. I have to, you know, whatever I'm doing has to lead to doing something like this because right. there was this freedom, this conscious, subconscious kind of approach to filmmaking and it was all theirs. I mean, they have their own influences from, you know, Jan Schwenkmeyer and, you know, I can't remember all the guys, but there's this German guy in the turn of the century. His, you know, stop motion is amazing. A uh, German, uh, Russian, a Russian mm -hmm. guy. But my point is, is, you know, that was, there was no school like there is now. I mean, you could probably take a course on them at some animation yeah, class. Yeah. But at the time, that was our school. We were learning from these guys and we're trying to emulate our heroes, mm. you know? And so, you know, each video we kind of, you know, just kind of broke away from that influence. But it's, it's, um, uh, it's amazing. It's like been, you said you can go back to it and use it at any point in time, these skills that you have. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's the point. It's just, you know, it kind of opens doors for you. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, this, like I said, this band thing has just been great down to, <laughs> you know, it's not so much, you know, hands-on anymore, you know, it's, you know, you hire the right people right. and, and there's so many just amazing, amazing artists out there. Like when, if you ever, did you see the wall? When oh that, yeah. I mean, that, that whole stage show was just one of the most incredible things I've oh, ever yeah. seen. It's like everybody working on that production was a genius at whatever it was they were doing. Absolutely. You hire the best people yeah. and you let them off their leash, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, right. uh, you know, the, you know, the stage show and the movie, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, the movie was just mind blowing. Too. Yeah. Let's talk more about wrestling. Um, we talked about kind of your, your upbringing in wrestling, but what do you think of wrestling now? Do you watch it every week? What have you seen? Like, what's your favorite era of, of wrestling? Well, I, I don't have a favorite era. Mm -hmm. I always have that trouble. They go, who's your favorite wrestler? And I, mm -hmm. I can't decide, you know, I just, I just like it all. But like I said, it's just been what I've had time for since I've had my kids. And I know, you, you know, exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. You know, I used to go on tour and, you know, have Raw and SmackDown TiVo'd, and then I just binge it, you know, and catch <laughs> yeah. up, you know, yeah, and yeah. tell my friends not to tell me what's going on. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, but now I've kind of, I've, I've fallen a lot. I've fallen out of it, but I just, I, 
I love it all. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, you know, I I try to go as much as I can when it's you know in town or it's convenient. Um, and you're talking about all companies, all companies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had to pick one, I pick WWE because right. they kind of cover everything. Everything, and it's and and it's just been the amount of entertainment has just been mind blowing that I've been exposed to through them, and just um, it, it's amazing. But I I, I do like you know. Um, you know the indie wrestling. I like the backyard wrestling. I like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the lucha. You know, the Japanese. You know, whatever I can kind of, you know, get a taste of. It's it's all exciting, you know. And and even learning, you know, um, you know there, that there's a difference between, you know, like in the old days of you know American wrestling and British wrestling, which I never knew. And, mm-hmm. and then finding that out is is it's wonderful. And just just the entertainment, the characters. You know, I have friends that go, oh man you know, watch, you know, MMA or, you know, watch that's real. And I go, yeah, but none of those guys, the other guy's girlfriend or hit him with a ladder <laughs> backstage or, you know, there's, <laughs> none, none you know it's the, just this. Yeah. And none of that has any merit with, with me when people say that, because it's like, okay, it's, it's not real. Okay. Well, every movie that we go and see yeah, is not real. Exactly. You know, the last movie I saw was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, good not, movie. Great movie. Yeah. Not real. I know it's not real, but obviously some of the events, even that's not real, but I don't care. Yeah. I walk out of the going. Brad Pitt is 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 the toughest. But Cliff, Cliff, Cliff yeah. Booth is the toughest motherfucker in the world. Yeah, you know DiCaprio is great. Like we know it's not real, but you get involved in the story and it envelops you and engrosses you in. It's That's enter- what wrestling is. It's entertainment. entertainment. Yeah. Yes. You know, you put that aside that it's not real, but you go watch the show and enjoy it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm I. I had a friend of mine who came over to the house and he was just talking shit. And I said, okay, check this out. And it was, um, I, I don't remember who Randy Orton was fighting, but someone clocked, you probably remember, clocked Randy Orton with a, the bell. Mm. And his head just started gushing yeah. blood. And he just turned around and he just had this like evil smile on his yeah. face. And I went, that's real. Yeah. Or this guy getting thrown out of the ring and they don't catch him. That's real. These guys are putting... Or every bump that you take that doesn't go wrong is real. Yeah. You know? It's... it's you know, it's that passion again. It's it's that you know how how far to push something, and that's what I mean. It's it's this intense entertainment, you know. Mm. And I just like I said, and it's on every level, like where you can, you know, my five year old could watch it, or you know, someone you know an adult could watch it and and get something out of it, or you know, someone just wants to perv on some girl in a small outfit and thrown around, you know. I, I don't know. Modern day roller derby. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> What's the last wrestling show that you went to? Do you remember? PWG. Okay, so tell me about that. Pro Wrestling Gorilla. It's, it's... We talk I, a lot about that out here when I have people come out here. Everyone talks about P- PWG. You know, it stands out. It's, mm. it's, I go to a lot of indie shows. I like them, but it's my favorite. Mm. It's my favorite. They used to have it in um, Reseda in like um all my friends are going to get mad at me now, but it was in this very small kind of, I don't want to say Shriners, but... Like a community center or yeah, something. Like the, yeah, and it was small. And I want to say it was like, you know, 300 people, maybe yeah. maybe pushing 400. But always sold out. Always and they, sold out. They refused to move it to a bigger venue. Yes, yes, right. just because of the vibe. And the crowd, I would, was as into it as the wrestlers. Mm. I mean, just the chanting and the, and it's hot in there. So it just had this wonderful charisma and... You know, every time you went to a show, you just walked out going, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible experience. And also to see these, you know, young guys getting started and, and you could just see the hunger and the fire burning inside them and, and 
you know, they want something bigger than this. And they're just, you know, it could be one person, it could be 10,000, and they're wrestling exactly with mm-hmm. as much heart as any other person, you know, and and um, and to see those guys then leave and go to something bigger, you know, go to Ring of Honor or NXT or even WWE or, you know. AEW. Yeah, yeah. is exciting. It's, uh, so it's just, you know, I have a lot of friends that, you know, draw lines. I don't draw any lines. I just, I just like it all. And it goes back to that 12-year-old thing, you know. It's better than my wrestling, you know. <laughs> you get in the ring and do that, right, you know. Right, right, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, too. I think for PWG as a fan, it's like, for example, like when Metallica came out, I was there since 84. So I basically grew up with this band. And when they got huge, you feel a little pride in it because I was there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like that with when you start following somebody like you said, in PWG, and then they go through the ranks and finally yeah. end up as the WWE yeah. champion. You feel yeah. a little sense of pride because yeah. you've been following this person since they started. Yeah. You know? Yeah, just, you know, Keith Lee and and guys you, Matt Riddle, like mm. seeing that dude who got kicked out of MMA, I guess, for smoking Weed, pot. Yeah. And now he's killing it. Right. You know, and and he's good and he deserves it. And, it was, and it's really, you know, I mean, it's just one example, you know, and so th- other than the part of loving watching wrestling is, you know, that kind of thing. Seeing these guys who admire, you know, step up and get more, you know, successful. I, I, I would even, you know, just, you know, like, I even like the, um, my friends didn't, what do you call it? The, you call it a dark match when they're not, you're not being yeah, filmed? The, yeah, kind of like the young guys come out before the show starts. No, no, I mean an actual, like, uh, like, um, like, a, l- let me tell you about my favorite moment with you. Okay. It was at, it's at the Staples Center, but it wasn't being televised. Right. And so- not tell yeah it's, it's, it could be after the show is done it might be what was what was the oh moment? no it was just not being it was you know just like a like like a, like a live show like it was they, a call, live they, call, show. they call them live events yeah 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 they used to be called house shows okay now they're called live events. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well I remember when I was a kid like I went and saw one of the big wrestling WCW or WF you know like um uh in a tent in a circus tent like oh, a wow. small circus yeah tent. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Was it where was it at? Oh, I don't remember. Because they used to do the Chicago um, land area, but it was in the suburbs. It wasn't oh, like wow. right in the in the Chicago, Chicago really? area. Yeah. They, they used to have C crews. It'd be an A crew, a B crew, right. and a C crew. Right. So they would do the really small ones. Right. Where like your headlining match yeah. would be like Jim Powers versus Hercules or something oh, like that. Excellent. Right? You know, guy on a shitty microphone yeah. <laughs> and just you know, the humidity and and what moment were you talking about with me oh, at the Stable Center? So it it, it was uh it was an untelevised match. Yeah. And it's just one that really stands on my mind. But but I just remember just like you you were wrestling and someone from one of the upper tiers threw a roll of toilet paper, <laughs> bong, and it landed in the ring. And you just stopped wrestling with the guy and you walked over and picked it up and, and you know, made the guy give you the microphone and you started just going, who threw this? Do you remember this? Yeah. And it went on for like 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I, and the, I, and that, but I, what I'm, what I'm yeah. saying is, you being Chris Jericho, that was amazing. But the local security were freaking out because they thought there was going to riot was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. So and they something? were like, oh, so the intensity of you doing that versus that intensity made it just like, like my blood, my heart was beating out of my chest because all these guys were running around and just like, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And you just like, and you would just take these long, like almost like a minute. You wouldn't say anything. And then you go, 
I want to know who threw this. It was, it was actually, I think it was it was before the match doing kind of a little pre-match promo. Okay. And then as a performer, you love when stuff like that happens. Like you wish, I remember thinking to myself, I should plant somebody in the crowd to do this every night mm. because it gives you so much to work with. Like someone threw a roll of toilet paper into the ring. I mean, how great is that? You know, like what more could you ask for as a heel? Someone throws in demanding right, the name, the name and number, phone number and address <laughs> of who did it, right? Yeah. And I won't go anywhere till till you tell me, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that sort of stuff is is so uh, you just hope that you get that. But there's this t- timing, like in comedy, like I have friends in, in com- like I used to yeah. see Jack Black and Kathy Griffin and David Cross and Bob Oldenkirk went before they became famous. Yeah. They had this like. Um, uh, Maynard knew this girl that uh, they gave him a club late night on Thursday nights that no one was at, and they could go try comedy. Okay, yeah. Without like an open mic or something. Yeah, yeah. no, but it wasn't. It was the audience was comedians, and it was the comedians, and they could try stuff. Oh, I see. Just completely free of any kind of like you know um, judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was wonderful. So they try really Will Ferrell and these guys trying really experiment. Experimental, experimental comedy. But the thing I learned from those guys was there's this thing where it's funny and then it's not funny, then it's really funny yeah. on the same thing. And I thought that night with the toilet paper, you just kept it going to the part where the audience was like uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it came back and then they were laughing and they were cheering you and they were like booing you. And 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 that's that experience that... Uh, it goes to what you were saying when you talked about using, you know, your violin playing as a guitar player oh. or, or your your visual effects experience when you're putting together a video or a stage show. I use, and it's actually kind of one and the same for me because when I first started wrestling, uh, I wanted to be the ultimate front man in, in rock and roll, but in a wrestling ring. Mm. I wanted to be Paul Stanley or David Lee Roth or Bruce Dickinson, Freddie Mercury, Mick, you name it, but in the ring because I was smaller than everybody else. But I knew I could have the biggest personality, right? Right. And then when I started with Fozzie, I mean, I was I've been in bands since I was 13 years old. But when we started really going for it, as a front man, I used those tricks that I learned from wrestling that I learned from music because it's all about connecting with the audience, right? Right. And it's something that 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 Maynard does great too. Even singing, remember that one tour where he sang behind a, a sheet the whole, like yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. a curtain the whole time. Yeah, and it's yeah. like who could get away with that? But he did because he was so captivating, you know, and. I think when you have that connection with the audience, you can really, uh, once again, as a performer, you want to make people feel uncomfortable, make them laugh, make them cry, and be able to do that basically at your command. That's the, it, that's the secret. It's that on top of, um, let, let me give you an example. You were talking about Maynard playing behind a sheet. It's this thing too, I'm sure we can relate on this, where you want p- someone to remember that show. Right. Remember that time Chris Jericho's mad about the toilet paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that one show. And instead of going, oh yeah, it was like the last time, you know, you want that thing. When we when we were playing out before we got signed, we made it a habit of never playing the same place twice. Okay. Because in in that day, like I said, the the heels the heel end of a uh, uh, glam metal, there were so many places you could play. Mm-hmm. But we wanted people to go, oh, remember that show? Mm-hmm. You know. And even after we got signed, you know, we played at the Church of Scientology. <laughs> they had just we were the first act to play their artist center and uh so we we approached them they went oh sure you know and it was just the weirdest night it was so weird and uh actually i think we did two nights there and um but people would still to this day go oh i remember that show that time you played at the church brilliant yeah 
So it's, it's, there's some of that there. Was too. that, was that the mindset for doing, I mean, and, and did he do the whole set from behind? I'm saying a curtain or a sheet. It was behind a, yeah, I think that was uh, uh, missing the, um, his other band. band. His oh, other was that band. Perfect Circle? It, or, you know, he has two other bands and, oh, okay. and uh, he might have three other bands, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought that was a tool thing. Uh, no, no, no. He was, he, he did that. It was really cool. And I think there was kind of an, you know, at some point it opened, but what was cool about it is you see this shadow mm-hmm. and it's almost like this puppet kind of vibe, you like know, it's it really cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's a tour that you go, oh yeah. Remember when Maynard did that? Right. You know? Do you have something in mind for this upcoming tour for Fear Inoculum? We, we do. It's, it's, Again, it's that thing where you have this passion about writing. You have this passion about recording. You don't worry about the outside world. You don't worry about how radio is going to take it or how the fans are going to take it. It's purely that that painting process I was talking about. And then you start going, once it's done, you go, okay, well, you know, what's what's the song you think everyone's going to like or radio is going to like? So that's how we went. Okay, we don't have a pop tune. So, But this one kind of seems the catchiest. Why don't we give this one to radio? So you start playing out. But the thing about like touring is, you know, we won't have a really cool show and put as much money into the the show and have people walk away going, yeah, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. But you have to see how the record does. You have to, you know, there's a budget, you know, Mm. and so that's where we're at. You know, we'll kind of see how things go when the record comes out. But it's almost so much different now. Like once again, I was reading that you guys went to number one on 33,000 units. Mm. Like 33,000 units gets you to number one. But five years ago... 33,000 units, you'd be at number 200. Yeah. That's, well, just, yeah. that's just how it is nowadays, right? It's so, a different So thing. the budget must be affected by that too, though. Sure, right? sure, yeah. sure. So I think we can keep going as we've gone. But, you know, I, I've heard of bands like, you know, they, they, you know, write a record and they spend, you know, millions of dollars on the record and then they all get, all buy their own tour buses and then, you know, they're planning it and then the record doesn't do well. Mm. You know, and it's Same like... story, yeah. Yeah, and we just... We never want to do that. You know, we just kind of want to take it as, you know, take the temperature of everything and just kind of keep it safe. So, but, you know, as far as ideas, yeah, it's it's epic. Yeah. You know, how far to take it, you know, we just, we'll see. Last uh, few questions here. Um, what is, uh, I mean, it's always, it's a question that I hate answering, but I always like to ask it. What's your favorite song on the record? Or, or if that's too hard, which one are you looking forward to playing live? That's a better question. Okay, yeah, yeah, because it's I like them all. Yeah, you know? of course. Yeah. And my son says that sometimes I go, "Who's your favorite teacher at play school?" And he goes, "I like all of them." And he's not getting that from me, <laughs> you know. And I just go, "That's the right answer." You yeah, know? just see what you like about everything. Yeah, I like all the songs. I there's there's a a song called Tempest where I do a four and a half minute solo in, <laughs> and it was really a crazy song to write because it's. Um, Three rounds of seven. It's twenty-one. Wow, riffing twenty-one, and you got to remember our drummer, who's the best drummer in the world. Oh, and up, yeah, um, I, I tell people that. Like I, when I was a kid, you know, Rush, I'd be like, best drummer, Neil Peart. Yeah, right. Yeah, best drummer in the world. Now I go, I'm in a band with the best drummer <laughs> in the world. Well, especially it's now, Neil's, Neil's done, right? So. Well, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was so sad, but, but that's in, that's interesting because even like I was a huge, uh, still am, but a few years ago more so, a huge Dream Theater fan. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy's and, amazing. But Porno and Mangini, but they always mentioned Danny Carey, Danny Carey, Danny yeah, Carey. Yeah, so that's yeah. actually what brought me to Tool was if you know Porno is talking about Danny Carey, maybe I should check this band out. And that was obviously 15 years ago, whatever it was. But that's the name that you always hear about. Like he's a total muso, best in the world, Danny Carey. Right? Yeah, yeah. We we were recording and. Um, 
uh, we had a few drummers come in, uh, John from System and a couple others, and they all kind of said the same thing at some point. You know, we play the track and they go, is that just one drumming? Like one, you know, is that takes or, is, or you know, like tracks level, you know, like multi, multi tracks. And they go, no, that's, that's just Danny playing. Jeez. And they go, oh my God, he's just an <laughs> alien. I mean, he's the only guy I know can just, you know, do like, you know, like three yeah. different polyrhythm beats at the same time, you know, foot, hand, other hand, you know, and. You know, maybe you can do four, maybe you can do five with, yeah. with his wang. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I um, When Mickey D played on the Halloween record, uh, Rabbit Don't Come Easy, I think it's called. Um, they were in between drummers, so they got Mickey to play on it. Obviously, yeah. Mickey I like their new song, by the way. Oh, Pumpkins. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. Dude, I'm a Halloween fanatic. But, yeah. um, he said that they, were, they gave him the tracks on a drum machine. But, you know, the guitar player puts the drum machine tracks down to give him to Mickey to learn how to play. And he's like, right. they had so many different parts. I had to be a... Octopus to be able to play them. <laughs> I had to tell him, hey man, yeah, I only got four arms, four, two arms and two legs here. Yeah, totally pushing it. Or Danny would be, you know, when, when we jam riffs, I always tell a story when Justin and I bring the riffs in when we jam and Danny will just start playing the most opposite polyrhythm kind of thing to it to the point where I'll forget how to play right. the riff I wrote. And I have to go, Danny, please, play simpler. <laughs> Quit overplaying. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, but that's the magic of Tool, sure. you know, it's just kind of, but anyway, this song I was talking about is, you know, it's in 21. What's it called again? Um, Tempest. Tempest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. And um, Maynard spelled it with a seven because we have like this, all this seven kind of weird Imagine stuff happening that. with the record and cool. just thought it was important. And a seven beat, it's, it's you know, hearing people like, you know, um, trying to play it, emulate it or like what we do um, or even headbang to it. You know, it's just this one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Right, right. Um, um, and having three rounds of that, so it's not an even number. So when you're trying to write over it, you know, you just got to feel it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was really cool. So, you know, I just, when I do leads, you know, I don't, you know, we, you know I grew up in the days of Michelangelo and all these just amazing <laughs> yeah. guitar players. And I always kind of thought it's been done. And so that's what I was saying about Tom is Tom has that. He has that gimmick thing, but he just went down a, different path with it and made it his own you know it's right. it's incredible and and um so i never had that and i did so many scales in violin and and so i was just like you know you were talking about um andy summers from the police mm -hmm. it's just what does the song need and a lot of times my lead will be more like a vocal oh right you know it's, it's treated like a vocal someone singing a vocal will kind of do the same thing you know three, four times, and then add inflections on it. And I just found that part of the song to be um, really rewarding in that way. So I just hope people like it. The songs are long. We have, um, we're, we're putting out uh, physical CDs that are like 80 minutes. I mean, all, all filled all the way. Yeah. There's seven songs, it's 80 minutes. It's, it's so funny that, you know, I really get off on the, um, the trolling, you know, uh, sometimes it hits me low, but most of the time I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you do, but it just yeah. like just that thing where there's a small percentage of your fans, small, who you can't you hate can't everything. make them happy. You cannot they make hate them everything. happy. Yeah. Buzz from the Buzz from the Melvins always goes. You could take a CD, put fifty songs on it, tape a hundred dollar bill, 
and give it away for free and there'd be people complaining Dude, about it. Remember it's when they, too long or I have to pay taxes on this hundred dollars. Remember when the U2 album was given away for free to everybody who had iTunes oh, and yeah. people were complaining? Yeah, it's amazing. It's you too. Yeah. It's it's great. Or just erase it, you know? <laughs> so like, just don't listen to it. <laughs> right. You know, I, I love it. If you're just, uh, Lars had a great point when, uh, De- uh, sorry, uh, Hardwired came out. And it's, it's long. It's 12 songs similar to yours. And he's okay. Like, people, people are complaining about it's being too long you've waited eight years you're you're yelling about not having new music yeah yeah and now you've got 12 new songs yeah. and it's 80 minutes long and you think it's too long it's yeah. like what do you want right yeah yeah it's yeah. just that you know but i enjoy it I, I just enjoy the it's 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 everyone's got a voice and you have those people who are just never happy and they were you know on christmas we're like i wanted the you know red transformer not the magenta <laughs> transformer you know just yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing's right nothing so it's all right and but i i actually kind of i enjoy it now mm-hmm. I, I really sometimes it's just hilarious i remember the melvins put out a book and they put out a book of um every um bad review of any of their records that they could find and it was just just listed. <laughs> and it was this reading. I remember taking on tour and reading it. It was just, my favorite one was like, uh, like one of the records came out and it said, um, I have three words. This is like a, like a, a, a critic. And he said, I have three words. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> just, you can't. My favorite review that we ever got, we played a festival called Bloodstock in England. Yeah. I think it, we played in between like Municipal Waste and Exodus or something. And they said, Fozzie were as heavy as lettuce. And so I was like, I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. So I got our drum tech who lives in England to put a head of lettuce in a head box. Head of lettuce, nice. And send it to uh to I think it was Kerrang or Metal Hammer or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> little note thanking them yeah. for comparing us to produce. The, the thing, the thing too, I, you know, we didn't, you know, I know we're getting to the end of this thing, but I, I, I just wanted to say, you know, like, you can sing. Oh, thanks. Dude. And it's and it's and it's and your band's good and 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 uh, you know, there's a lot of people who do multiple things right. and they. You know, like some actor will go, oh, yeah, um, I got my band, you yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah. and people go, oh, yeah, I want to see a band. And you go, oh, <laughs> yeah. great. Right, <laughs> no, right, no, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. please don't ask me, you know, what I think of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's just, it's refreshing, you know. You know, mm. I didn't, you know, I was a fan of your wrestling before I knew you were in a band. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 he's in a band. And then when I heard it, I was like, god damn, you know. Oh, cool, thanks. Yeah. Like, we've had to work twice as hard to get respect, if that's the word. Sure. Because, just because of me. But I find when you get people's respect, you've got it for life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because people know it's real. Just yeah. Like, just like Jared Leto and 30 Seconds of Mars. Or sure. Taylor and Pretty Reckless. I mean, yeah. Or Keanu Reeves. You know, he, exactly. He's a good bass player. If you can yeah. really play Johnny Depp. I mean, yeah. the Hollywood Vampires yeah. is a yeah, great rock yeah, and roll yeah, band. Yeah. So I think that, and, and I knew it going in. But to me, it's like I didn't care because when I was a kid, I wanted to be in a rock band and I wanted to be a wrestler. And that's the yeah. way it was going to be. So just go and make it happen. Yeah. You know? Last question for you, and I know you said you don't like to do this, but is there a match that you've seen like that you would call your favorite match, a standout mm. match that you remember? Oh, there's so many. Yeah, well, tell me some of them. There's so many. I don't know. I I can't. <laughs> you know, I can <laughs> talk about you know the Ultimate Warrior, and I can talk about CM Punk with yeah. you know Triple H, and you know the the thing that I like is there's guys like you who are you know, or like the undertaker, they're kind of iconic and they're, they're like a good meal. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's these guys that come in, they're up and coming, or maybe they're not as popular or maybe they're not even as good, but that's like the seasoning mm-hmm. on that meal that it'll never taste like that again, mm. you know? And that's what I enjoy, you know, 
Um, what a great analogy. What was it? Ryan, Ryan Beck? Ryback. Ryback. I love that kid, man. He was mm-hmm. awesome. And those, those days where he was like just taking on, Vince was fine, I guess, no name, yeah, yeah. Res, wannabe wrestlers. And he would like instantly just pin him and then put him on his back and then yeah. do that famous, like, you know, throw him, you know, yeah, um, small and drop type thing. Or yes, yeah. yes, yes. And, and then he, at some point he did it with two guys. Yeah. And then that, and then I saw it live. He did it with, or maybe it wasn't live. Um, he, he did it with did three, three guys. Yeah. Three guys, yeah. you know? So it's just, you know, it's those moments, you know, you know, moments where he's just like, God, this is real. There's no way. Mm-hmm. That's just brute strength. Or, or, yeah. or, or, or no, I'm just talking about where, where I'm talking about that yeah. versus, you know, where a guy gets hit. Like sometimes you guys connect and mm-hmm. you connect. Yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> it's what it needed. And, and it's just incredible and it's real. It's just, it's just like, you know, oh, this guy got thrown out. He's, he's gotta be taking an ice bath after this. This is crazy. And then there's those moments where it's more, you know, like Kane and the Undertaker and, you know, was it, uh, you know, the Undertaker put Kane in a grave yeah. and they had a grave and, yeah. or in an ambulance. And the ambulance was on the, <laughs> in the room and took him out, you know, and people were like, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, I used to like, uh, what's his name? The Kane's. Paul Bearer. Hey, Paul Bearer. Yeah. Oh, I miss Paul. With his voice. Uh, you know, that's, I, as a kid, it, and it still kind of does it today. Like as a little kid, I remember, remember you remember things that kind of scare you that yeah. aren't scary. And it was, Big, huge guys with high high pitched voices oh. for me when I was little. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it scared me. <laughs> and Paul kind of had that thing. But oh yeah, he's, totally. He's great, and just you know, I remember seeing like going to WWE had that access. Yeah, yeah, the fan access. The before. fan access. It's great. And the, when when you guys, even the different clubs have that, the fans love that. Oh yeah, where you can go and meet people and you can do different people like things. the experience. Yeah. yeah. But Paul was doing this thing, and of course they put him in like a haunted house or something really <laughs> silly. And I saw him, and kids were waiting to get his autograph, and he was signing autograph. And he reached back and grabbed a drink and took the sip of it, and he looked back to the kids, and he, and then he held up the drink, and he was like cyanide, you know, <laughs> like he just kept his character going, you know. So it's just like I said, like just all the levels approach of this entertainment mm-hmm. has been wonderful, you know. And even just, you know, I'm proud of the guys, like, that start doing movies, you mm. know, or start, you know, like, Cena's killing oh, it, yeah. you know, and Batista he's good. Too, yeah. He's good, yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, That's cool, man. What but you- anyway, I, I love it all. So I, I can't, you know, I could talk hours about stuff I like and yeah, seeing, for sure. you know, but. Well, dude, you uh, you survived your first podcast. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Are we done? <laughs> and we're done. And congratulations too. Like I said, uh, Fear Inoculum and, and, and all the success that you've had. So it's great to finally get a chance to meet you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate this. It's I I think you know being a fan and um, I, I feel comfortable talking to you. You know, it's uh, it's hard sometimes with those radio guys sure. and stuff. Exactly. But now I have to do. Eddie Trucks. Uh, <laughs> will you do it with me? Of course. Okay, okay there we go. I'll, That's the one we should I'll, do. I'll hook you up with him and he's got to get me Sammy Hager. Okay. All right. <laughs> Deal. All right. The only date that Tool has scheduled so far this fall is October 13th in Sacramento at the Aftershock Festival. We played it before. It's a great festival. Toolband.com has ticket information. And of course, they will have all the tour dates once the guys figure out exactly what they're doing about touring in support of Fear Knock Them. But you know it's going to be huge. Thanks to Adam Jones, 
Looking forward to seeing Tool in the future and looking forward to having all of you on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Pardue. Setting sail on January 20th, getting closer. Uh, we only have less than 20 cabins left. It's actually 20 cabins on the dot. So go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Get involved. Come hang out with Ric Flair, Gabriel Iglesias, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, Jake the Snake Roberts, Booker T, MVP, Vicky Guerrero, Shaw Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, Jack Slade, Red Cup Jeff, Conrad Thompson, Fozzie, Farewell to Fear, Light the Torch, Rubik's Cube, Killer Queen, Kickaxe, Dave Spivak Project, Jared James Nichols, DDP, Beyond the Darkness, and of course the entire AEW roster, Cody, Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, Hangman Page, MJF, you name them, they're all going to be there. So come join us at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And don't forget about All Out Jericho versus Hangman Page for the very first AEW uh, Heavyweight Championship. Uh, that's going to be this Saturday. And, of course, uh, Fozzie Unleashed in the West, kicking off next week in Denver, September 5th. Come check us out with our new song, Nowhere to Run, which we will be playing on uh, on uh, Friday uh, but we'll be in Denver on the 5th, Colorado Springs on the 6th, Grand Junction on the 7th, Salt Lake City on the 8th. All gigs all the way up to uh, September 28th in Atlanta are available at FozzyRock.com. And pick up a Fozzy VIP meet and greet. We'll play a bonus concert just for you and whoever else the VIPs happen to be. So we will see you then, FozzyRock.com, for all ticket gig information and VIP information. We'll see you then, and we'll see you on Friday for a Nowhere to Run by Fozzie and AEW's Brandy Rose, the chief brandy officer, is going to be here talking all about AEW, her involvement, the future of the company, and of course, all out. So we'll see you then. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big, yeah, boy. <laughs>